Hi, this is Jeff Langston. Welcome to our Releasing Potential podcast. Here, music industry experts share their experiences of working in the industry, including their tips to support your journey of turning your passion for music into a business. And today I am delighted to welcome Kerry Harvey Piper. Hi, Kerry. Hello, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm very good indeed. Thank you very much. And it's a, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, if we can just start by you telling us a bit about your journey in the music industry, which I know is quite extensive. So let's uh, let's see where we go with that. Um, it's not it's not that extensive. I think it's slightly eclectic, but I think most people's journey into it is, is quite eclectic anyway. Um, I came into the business 15 years ago, having been married to a musician and producer for 25 years. Um, we, I started out, my husband started up a, a music tech company with an old friend and I thought it was so interesting that I wanted to be involved and my background is marketing and PR. So I managed to persuade my husband and his friend to let me be involved. Um, and it was, a, it was a kind of uh, precursor to MySpace um, in terms of being a networking company where musicians and bands could connect directly with fans. And it was a, uh, we, had, we had some great ideas, but we weren't quick, quick enough on the uptake or had enough money to develop it quickly enough. So after a couple of years, um, the company then folded, but what came out of it was that we'd signed a couple of artists to a baby independent label that we'd set up. So even though the tech company failed, I suddenly I'd realized that this was a business that actually I wanted to be in all my life. Um, so me and my husband sat up late one night drinking quite a lot of red wine um <laughs> what we were going to do and he he said well look you know i've never wanted to run a label i'm a musician i'm a producer that's what i do um but if you want to take on the label then you know i'll back you all the way so kind of that was that was the night that red grape was born and and hence the name of the label red grape because oh, it was <laughs> it never realized that <laughs> it was all the fault of the red grape um so so yeah so we set up the label um and then we had a couple three artists signed to the label and one of them was the icelandic artist haftis hold who, who was being managed by, by somebody else at the time. Um, and we, but we worked really, really well together. And after about three, three or four years, her manager then decided to move on to do other things. So I suggested to Haftis that, that I would find her another manager, someone who knew, you know, another manager who knew what they were doing. But in the meantime, I would be her interim manager um well that was 12 years ago i'm still her manager i'm still her label we're now i think on album seven so despite having wanted to to find her somebody who really knew what they were doing she was brave enough <laughs> to stick with me <laughs> um and we've learned together as we've gone along so you know i think I think a lot of people get into management 
just because they find an artist they really love and really mm. want to work with and then mm. learn on the job. So that's, you know, that's my routine. Um, and basically making it up as I go along. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is actually a common phrase in the music industry. Um, I remember seeing Merck and Niall Rogers um, that's introducing live a couple of years ago and a couple of things resonated there. First of all, uh, Niall Rogers said, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. I have no idea. And Merck, in terms of managing people, said it was a piece of advice he gave me, actually, was um, find an artist you love, you really love, and then persuade the rest of the, the world to love them as well. So uh, I think that's pretty general in the industry. Well, that's great, because aren't we in fabulous company with those two examples? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty good. So... As you said, you've got a, a really varied roster. You've got people in the UK, you've got people abroad, you've got people of all ages and genres. As a manager, how do you make sure all your artists are getting both the personal and business support that they need? How do you juggle that? I mean, that's, that's, that's a, a massive question and, and it's always a massive problem because unless you're a, a management company where you've got a lot of employees, you're you're always going to be limited by the amount of time that you have. And I'm, I'm pretty much a one woman band. Um, I have some help from time to time. I take on interns from time to time, but by and large, it's, it's me. Um, I mean, I, the, what I do first off when I start working with an artist or, or if I'm doing some consulting, which is what I, I also do some kind of short term consultancy, is, is to ask the artist what they want mm. because as a manager you are effectively being employed by them i mean you're you're working on a generally on a commission basis but you are working for them and with them so what they want is a is absolutely core to to what they mm. i then do so the first thing i do is is i ask them effectively for um to ask them to make their intentions clear. And I ask them for a shopping list, for want of a better word, yeah. um, asking them what is it they want to achieve? Because I think saying a shopping list is actually a lot more, um, or it's a lot less scary than saying, right, we've got to make you a business plan. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is a business plan, you know, in, in, in any other um, business. But I think, you know, if you say to an artist who's never really thought of themselves as a business before, uh, if you say, right, we're going to sit down and make a business plan, it's, it's daunting. I mean, frankly, mm. writing a business plan anyway is daunting for anybody. Um, mm. But by calling it a shopping list, what it then does is you kind of go, okay, well, I'd like this. And I'd like mm. that, but I need to save up for this. And you know, I'd really like this in, in two or three years time. So that gives me a really clear idea of where they want to be in the medium and the long term. Mm. And it's different for every artist. Um, yeah. I mean, at, at, at the heart of it is being able to make a living as a musician. You know, that's, mm. that's absolutely at the core of what most musicians want. Mm. most artists want and musicians um but depending on on who they are they have a different agenda going on yeah. yeah so and it's my job to understand that 
because unless I really understand what they want and um, what their long-term vision is, I could be going off completely at a tangent. And, mm. you know, we, we would be constantly sort of slightly missing in, in what we're aiming for. Um, and because it can be the first time that they've actually really had to sit down and, and articulate it, 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 it can be quite a hard, hard thing to do. And it's, it's actually a process more than anything. Mm. You know, how, do you help, how do you help them through that process? Just having conversations. Yeah. You know, just having lots of conversations, some which can be focused, some which can can be a bit more free ranging. Mm. Um, sometimes, sometimes it, the way I the way I get in is to just go and listen to that artist's music because I may not know their music very well, mm. but by going and 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 sitting and listening to what they've done previously and maybe any you know, new tracks they've got coming up, and asking about them and finding mm. out why they were written in that way and how they were constructed and what what inspired those songs that's a that's a really good good way in for me to okay. to really get a bit more of a handle on on who that artist is and perhaps dig down under the surface a bit in the sense that they may not be able to articulate a business plan but yeah. they can certainly articulate in lyrics so that's there's always there's always a way in like that mm. so anybody listening that is thinking uh, it's, it's about time maybe i look for a manager um what sort of prep would you give them before they start looking around or is it the other way around and you you, you find people how does it work for you um well, the first thing I'd say to if an artist is looking for a manager is is work out whether whether you can afford to have a manager, because um, you know the the classic structure is a manager working on twenty percent commission of artist income. Now, if if the artist is is earning sweet FA twenty percent of sweet FA, <laughs> it's not very. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. So that's obviously key, but mm. other artists um, who are just sort of putting a, a toe in the water to find a manager may find that actually paying a manager an hourly rate is mm. you know, on a kind of consultancy basis initially okay. is quite a good way to, mm. to start to see if that works and to see if they okay. can afford it. Mm. Um, how do I find artists? Um, all of the artists that I have worked with over the years have either been artists that I've loved, I've seen play live and, you know, just think they're fantastic. And so have got to know them and started a conversation. A mm. um, few times people have been recommended to me by kind of trusted sources, by, by people that I know in the industry who've gone, oh my gosh, you've got to see this, you know, you've got to hear this person. Um, you know, they're looking for a manager. And, you know, I listen to so much music mm. and, and I get approaches from artists 
you know, I get emails daily from artists mm. looking for managers. Um, and I've probably over 15 years worked with mm, probably no more than 10 or 12 artists, maybe 15. It's right. not very many when, in the great scheme of things. So uh, the hit rate is pretty small. Mm. But I have, to love, I have to love what they do. If yeah. I don't love yeah. what they do, I can't mm. be a good manager for them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Again, something I, I heard uh, a manager say is that um, I, it's all about the music. I really have to love the music before I'll even look at working with an artist. So it does be that sort of mutual love. So you love the music and they get on well with you. Of course, you know, because if, if it doesn't start with the music, what are you, why on earth are you doing this? <laughs> You know, in, in that phrase, the music business, music comes first, the mm. business comes second. You know, it's not the business music, it's the music business. So yeah. the yeah. music always has to come first. Yeah. But equally important is the artist has to be somebody I want to work with. Mm. You know, I, life is too short. You know, I've got six kids. I've got a husband. I've got a dog. I've got a cat. My life is, is too full to be working with, I was going to say assholes, but I probably shouldn't say that on your podcast. <laughs> That's fine. Absolutely fine. <laughs> you know Absolutely fine. I, yeah. I, I want to work with people I like, you yeah. know, so I'm not going to waste my time. Uh, trying to work with somebody who doesn't respect what I do and mm. who, you know, frankly, is difficult. Right. Thank you. That's really useful information, really useful tips. Thank you. Uh, in, the, in the industry in general, there's, there's a big focus on younger artists. And I know one of your artists, uh, the legendary Peggy Seeger, is well into her 80s. Um, and there are a lot of really good more mature artists out there we've got an aging population so there are likely to be more and more of uh more mature artists what are your thoughts about supporting those artists on their journey even if they come into it a little bit later in life i think it can be quite difficult i mean I, one one thing that um i mean obviously the current situation notwithstanding um mm. Most long-time established artists who have, you know, who have come through the business and, you know, maybe are now in their 70s or, or, or 80s or, or, or even those who are in their 60s um, have been supported by the industry one way or another. Um, mm. But they've also been able to, um, to do lots of associated stuff you know jobs to keep them going you know whether that's teaching or transcribing or writing articles or running clubs or um you know they've they've had to diversify within within their careers just to keep going mm. and get to get through lean patches because mm. no artist you know or, or very 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 few artists are in favor and have large engaged audiences throughout their entire career you know careers go, you know careers are like a, a sine wave mm -hmm. so during those kind of low bits 
there have to be there has to be another way for those artists to support themselves and if if they're good songwriters it will be their publishing which which supports them during the perhaps the the, the slightly more fallow periods of their career mm. but i think it's 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 hard harder now because labels aren't investing um long term in artists I think publishers are, are investing long term. I mean, I think publishers have been doing a fantastic job by and large um, in supporting artists or songwriters careers because that's, you know, the, mon the money comes in while you're asleep. Um, you know, we should mm. all be aiming to make money while we sleep, um, particularly yeah. artists who are songwriters. Um, and that's where really the the long-term stability of a career uh, comes from because publishing money will keep coming in. If you're writing enough songs that are good enough quality, those, those recordings are gonna be out there, other artists are gonna be covering your songs, um, the money will keep coming in. So I think that's, that's really key to a, to a long career. Um, in terms of the fabulous Peggy Seeger, who's just had her 85th birthday and has just recorded wow. another album. And <laughs> we have a tour that we've, we had to pull for this year, but we've, we've put in place for next year. Um, she's, I mean, she's a very good example of, of somebody who's, who's written a massive amount of songs over her career. So, so there's always something that, that people are discovering. But I also think that for older artists, if you've got a, um, if you got to a certain point in your career, you, you flip from being an artist into being a national treasure. So um, just summarising um, what you were saying in terms of more mature artists, um, <clears throat> if they are songwriters as well, then they should really look, and good songwriters, they should look at the opportunities around publishing and getting either getting some sort of a publishing deal or setting up as a small publishing company so that they've got the income to support the singing career. Does yeah. that sort of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not easy to get a publishing deal, but what it is easy to do is, is to find somebody to administrate your publishing. So mm. there are some really good companies out there. Um, Song Trust is one, Centric is another, but you know, there are, there are plenty of them who mm. will, help you collect everything. I mean, it goes without saying that, that writers should always be a member of PRS. I mean, that's the very first thing that, yeah. that, that a songwriter should do anyway. But um, if you want somebody to make sure that, you're, that everything is collected, because PRS is fantastic, but yeah. it can struggle to collect in, in some territories and it can be very slow. It can be, mm. you know, it can take a year or two for, for, for money to come through sometimes quite a lot longer. So um, getting your publishing administered is, is a really good idea because then it makes sure that you don't miss anything. Mm. And if you, you can go with a company like, for instance, Centric, who will also help you get sync placements for, mm. for your songs, um, which is another important source of income. Um, mm. You know, trying to list the ones that the sources of income that to uh, to come in while you sleep. So that's yeah. 
<laughs> the, the, the passive income yeah. which is which is really important really mm. important because uh actually making money just as a performer is is a real challenge until you're filling sort of venues that have got five thousand plus so looking at all other potential income streams is really important whether it's publishing or sync or even merch at the moment which seems to be going pretty well for a lot of people yeah and i mean in the current climate you know with touring you know who knows when we'll get back to touring properly mm. Um, I mean, I think, I think I, I remember reading a report which was detailing the number of different income streams that um, a, an artist who was also a, a writer could have. And I think there's something like 25 or at least 25 different mm. potential income streams for, for artists. So, um, don't ask me to name them all. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find the list and, and, and put it out there, Kerry. Maybe there's a competition to be had here. <laughs> Maybe there is. I like that. Very good. Very good. Brilliant. That's really useful. So uh, a couple of last things. Uh, first of all, um, if, you, if you were to give uh, one tip to somebody that's currently building a career in the music industry, what would that be? One Top tip. tip. Um, hmm. Well, I suppose, first of all, don't be a dick would be my, <laughs> would be my first tip. Um, so, can I do three? Can I do three tips? Oh, go on then. Okay. As I know you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's the first one. Um, the second one is take yourself seriously and plan this like a business. Because you know, if you want a, if you want a long career, then you need to take yourself seriously, and you need to take your business seriously. Um, and I think the third one would be, don't give up. Mm. Just keep going. just keep going. Just keep going. If you've got to if you've got to have a day job to you know to pay the rent to to go to the supermarket, fair enough. But if this is your this is your passion, if this is what gets you up in the morning, if this is what makes you smile, if this is what, you know, gives you those goosebumps when you think about what you do, mm. then just don't give up. Because you, you, you might get to, to 80 and go, you know what, I've never made much money, but I had an amazing time. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. And a uh, top tip for keeping physically and mentally, tip, uh, mentally fit, as, as we know, it can be a relentless business with potentially long hours and demands from people outside the artist's control. Something just to help people think about that. I have a cutoff point in the evening, unless I'm touring or there's an emergency, I don't work beyond seven o'clock in the evening. So I, I try and keep work, work and, and, um, work and, and family life separate. It doesn't always work because, because my husband's a musician. Two of my kids are successful working musicians. So the, the conversation around the dinner table <laughs> does <laughs> tend to focus around music. But um, yeah, just, just remember, remember to have downtime. So... Okay. 
Thank you. Thank you so much, Kerry. This has been absolutely fabulous. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, thanks to everybody that has listened to this and please take some of the great thoughts that Kerry's shared with us and put it into practice. Uh, watch out for the next episode of Releasing Potential coming soon. And once again, thanks very much to Kerry Harvey-Piper. Thank you, Kerry. Thank you. That's been such fun. Thank you. Thank you.